everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Keto and Energetic Balance for You. Today on the show, I have Eileen Crispell, who is a shamanic practitioner, and she is also the owner of Rewild Renew, which is a transformational program for complete body, heart, and spirit change. Basically, you're trying to transform um, somebody at that level, right? That's kind of correct. That's correct. That's that's amazing. So yes, we're going to basically start off talking about what inspired her to initially become a shamanic healing practitioner. And we're also going to talk about her program. So I'm really excited to learn more about this. And I have a big interest in shamanic healing as I am studying that myself. So this is very interesting and I can't wait to talk. Eating healthy, living healthy, being healthy. This is the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast, a podcast focused on holistic wellness and teaching you about incorporating the keto diet and lifestyle changes to achieve an energetic balance, teaching you how to live now so you don't struggle to live later. And now, your host, Jessica Ankaya. How are you doing today, Eileen? I'm great, and thank you, Jessica, for inviting me here. I'm always um, really excited to talk about my work in this process and very excited to talk to you, given the fact that you're, um, you know, getting your own training in this. Shamanic yeah. So that's very cool. Yes. I, yes, I love it. Um, it's turns out it's, it's a calling for me. So, um, I'm glad to finally be doing my calling. Of course, my original training educational background is as a nurse practitioner. And I understand that yours was an architect. That's right. Funny switch, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know I think there's maybe less of a switch from nurse practitioner, but um, that's right. I was uh, an architect um, for a couple of decades. I owned my own architecture firm in Connecticut. I was a green architect and um, I had to come to my own healing, which is how I serendipitously found shamanism um, and quit architecture <laughs> completely. But yes, I, my former self was an architect. Great. So what inspired you to come into, uh, you know, the shamanic healing realm? Like what was that initial clincher that got you from being an architect to being a shamanic healing practitioner? Well, I think I would say, just like you said, you know, I always say it found me, I didn't find it. And so I had my own architecture firm, then I got married, then I had two little kids. I had did got married and had kids a little bit later in life. So I had my first child at 41 and my second at 43. And I wound up um, in a place of chronic fatigue syndrome of really just deep, deep bone crushing is exhaustion. And I had to come to terms with some things to heal. I found a, a really great medical doctor in New York City, uh, um, you know, he said some key things to me. First of all, he, unlike most normal medical doctors, he, what he did is he gave me diet changes and supplements, not medications. And he also said to me, I'm not going to work with you unless you work on your emotional state, because you won't heal unless you're also healing your emotional state. So, and at the time I'd also, um, had, um, six deaths in the family in a small period of time, sort of a whole generation kind of went almost all at once, including my mother. Wow. 
Yeah. And so I was dealing with a lot of loss and two little kids and a business and trying to get my health back. And um, so my world kind of came crashing down and I started searching for how to fix it. And uh, a little bit of a long journey, but I also, when I, so I started to heal myself physically first, the diet changes, the supplements made a huge difference in my life. And besides feeling better physically, it also opened up these skills that I'd kind of always tried to ignore my whole life, my empathic skills, my intuitive skills, my psychic skills. Suddenly there was just no stopping them anymore. (laughs) And um, I had two little kids who were also showing to have these, this skill set. And I was tired of being afraid of it. And I figured if I was going to have to show my kids how to manage this world in as being sensitive human beings, I needed to learn that for myself. So it really sent me into some deeper sink, seeking out in the world of alternative things. Mm-hmm. And um, I wound up moving and I wound up finding a shaman about an hour from where I moved. And I went for a session with him and he explained every weird experience I'd ever had in my life and told me it was perfectly normal. It's about being human. (laughs) (laughs) And it blew my mind really. And I went, I'm never going to be the same again. I I need to know, I need to understand more about this. And that's really what brought me to deciding to, to get training in it. Right. Yeah. So what is your thoughts on things happening energetically? you know, like via our chakras or past lives before they manifest physically? What, what is your thoughts? And, and um, explain as a shaman, how do you help to remedy that for people? Well, it's funny. I try not to go too deeply into, um, I try to make it very simple. Let's, I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I see shamanism as about our souls and we all have souls and our physical selves is finite, right? None of us get out of here alive. Right. Our souls are infinite. And so if we ignore our souls, there's a greater uh, damage. If we do something damaging to our body, that's gone when we're gone. Right. If we do something damaging to our soul, I can't tell you what happens next, but I can tell you it's pretty clear to me that our soul continues. And so, and our soul is everything we do. It's who we are. So our relations, our souls are involved in our relationships. Our souls are involved in our physical health. Our souls involved in our jobs, in our purpose. Yeah. Like you can't get around that. So you could ignore it, but when you ignore it, um, you're ignoring mm-hmm. that uh, foundation that's everything you do. So if you're not willing to look at that foundation of who you are and make sure that's healthy, it's going to affect everything in your life. That's right. And I always say in in my blog, a holistic keto goddess, always say things happen at that energetic level with our chakras. And then that includes, of course, the ether too, you know, like our souls and, and whatnot before they manifest physically. And so it seems like, you know, and and that's what kind of brought me into shamanism because I want to help people on the energetic level, like what you're doing with helping with past life issues or even different things like that. And and so I, I'm pretty, 
amazed by how shamanism works and so because it even comes up it, it comes up it's we're, we're experiencing it all the time but our culture doesn't really talk about it so we don't we don't have a basic understanding of it we're all kind of shamans in our own right we all have these empathic intuitive skills i mean i think it's it's a spectrum for sure um but we're really taught to um, advance and get prowess with our analytical cells that's and right. there's nothing wrong with our analytical brains. We have them for a reason and they have a good purpose. But when they're not in alignment with our soul and our more energetic self, self then that creates problems. <laughs> so when, <laughs> right, so this other part of ourselves, this understanding of our chakras and all of our energy and how it's affecting us kind of atrophies over the years because we know nothing about it and we're not paying attention to it. So when you can bring that piece back in and give strength to that piece and bring prowess around that piece and find alignment in it with our more analytical sides, that's when life folds out in a very different way. That's right. And I first learned about chakras and the energetic body about three years ago. And, you know, as my experience as a nurse practitioner, I always treat the plumbing of the body. Let's not focus right. on what could be underlying energetically. Or, but when I first learned about it, it was a huge awakening for me. And I realized that I want to, it was, it was almost hard for me to practice as a nurse practitioner, even though I do it and I'm able to do it, but I just realized I want to get down to the core to what's really going on, which is the emotions, the past life issues, whatever that may be. Well, we don't have a language around it and it's, it is, um, it is the disembodied and for lack of a better word, it's the stuff we can't see. We feel it, we sense it, we know it, but because we can't, we don't have a quote unquote scientific explanation for it. There's, it's hard for some people to really understand that it's real. Yeah. And when you were first getting started off as, you know, a shamanic practitioner, you were studying and you were taking your journeys did you feel like, oh man, is this my imagination? And then <laughs> I think a lot of like, me too. But then, <laughs> yeah, I've taught hundreds of people how to journey, and every single one of them, including myself, I can't. I'm not going to be able to do this. Are you kidding me? And am I making this up? Nope. And yeah, but then something thing, happens. Yeah, and then you know, but then if you if you can integrate it, and you can, I always tell tell people suspend your disbelief for just a little bit. Let's yeah. pretend it's true and see what happens. Yes. And that's when often like the light bulbs come on and, you know, it's a stupid story, but I remember journeying once in my training and I kept getting a, a zebra giving me a message and I was, zebras, well, that's not even part of my cultural, whatever. So I was, this was in Virginia. I was driving back home to Vermont. So I had to drive through Pennsylvania and I was setting my GPS and it kept, I've made that trip many times. My GPS kept setting itself on a different route than I normally take a little bit longer. And I reset it three times and I was like, I'm just gonna trust the GPS. Maybe there's a reason I'm supposed to go this way this time. So I'm in the middle of Pennsylvania in the middle of nowhere and I drive by a field with zebra in it. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, I get you, I hear you. <laughs> you know, so these stupid things, you know, like when people find feathers or they find a penny, you know. Yes. They think it's so random, but honestly, it's probably not so random. There probably is 
a really important message for you in there. And it's okay. It doesn't make you a fool to take that message on. Yeah, it's manifesting itself in ordinary reality. You're you're finally getting the connection. And like, you know, I'm sure you teach people that same thing. Wait. Yeah, there's ordinary reality and non-ordinary reality. And they are intrinsically connected, just like the body and soul. But when we don't know about it, we don't perceive it. Exactly. Well, interestingly, I had, was making a journey was last week. And maybe you can answer this question. And I was up in the woods. I live in the mountains in North Carolina. So I was on my property in the woods and I underwent a journey to the upper world and met with ISIS and I had my dog with me and everything was going good. I did my journey for about 10 minutes. Once I was finished, my dog was fine. I was like, okay, let's go back home, Maple. So we went home, (laughs) we get home. She starts panicking. She starts just going squirrely, just like shaking. Like, I was like, is she sick? I'm like, okay, no, maybe she's okay. So I gave her her dog CBD and I'm like, okay, she's going to calm down. So we'll see what happens. Nope. All night she was going wild, like wide awake. Like she was seeing stuff, seeing whatever. And so I am not sure if somehow she's kind of journeyed with me or was there, maybe I should have used some white sage or (laughs) Palo Alto. So explain how animals are affected with that. Have you ever heard that before? Or maybe that was- Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, animals are very connected to this energetic realm. They've never been told not to be. And, you know, animals are, so in the shamanic realm, everything has spirit, animals, trees, grass, it's all our houses, right? They all have a spirit yeah. level to them. And animals are definitely, um, pick up on that kind of stuff. I've lots of people who, you know, I went on a journey and my dog was there past or present. Right. (laughs) Um, So it happens a lot. And if, for instance, my dogs, um, if my husband travels and he's not here overnight, my dogs, like they're barking at everything, right. Cause the pack isn't complete. And they're always kind of on edge. When's he coming back? Got to listen for when he's coming back. Okay. Right. So, you know, it's possible your dog definitely was feeling the energies around you and maybe one stuck with you. Maybe there was a, a, you know, a tree spirit that kind of came home with you and he was like, I don't know, you're not usually in our house. I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. I was like, this has never happened. And then prior to that, when I did my, um, you know, when I start first started the class, it's the shamanic journeys class. I went to the lower world. And I had her in the room with me and there was a lion going crazy in the lower world, which I finally found my spirit animal, which is an elk, by the way. But before I found who my spirit animal was, this lion was going crazy, just like, and it almost kind of startled me, but my dog went crazy at the same time that the lion was going crazy, like just, you know, (laughs) and so it was so much that I had to end the journey abruptly, which, you know, I don't want to do that. It's like, I was going to, you know, come back the way I came, you know, all that I had to end it to get her out of the room. And so now it's like, okay, I'm not going to have my dog in there anymore. (laughs) Or I, I was just going to be very vigilant about that kind of stuff now because she feels it. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. 
absolutely. And, and either doesn't understand it or maybe is trying to tell you something. I mean, that's why I draw, I mean, not all shamans do this. Yeah. One of the beautiful things about shamanism is it's one of those practices that you make your own. And, um, but for myself, I draw a really hard line in the sand. I make sure that my intentions are always towards the light, right? Yeah. One of is my teachers, one of my teachers always says, um, you know, you always ask permission before you do shamanic work for somebody because, um, and you're always asking to, to connect with compassionate, fully compassionate spirits, because that's the line in the sand between shamanism and more nefarious energy work, right? Mm -hmm. And so that for me is a really strong line in the sand. And so when I put my intentions out there, when I'm going to go journey, I'm like, you know, only those that work for God or only angels, yes. fully compassionate spirits. I, I don't want to, but I do. Yeah. Right. But animals can pick up on, it doesn't mean that those sort of more nefarious energies aren't around watching, right. Or aren't around trying to get on the fun <laughs> <laughs> and animals can pick up on this stuff. Yeah. It's not that it's dangerous. It's just that, um, you know, that's why I, I make that line in the sand for myself because I don't, I don't want to deal with the other stuff. I just want to deal with the things that are healing and for healing. Yeah, that's right. And that's what I, I'm going to make sure I, and, and that first time I journeyed for that class, when I was looking for my spirit animal. Mm -hmm. I did not, I should have said that I had forgotten to say that. And, and I don't know if this line was nefarious or, um, you know, I've had some issues with fear. And so I don't know if that was one of my uh, spirit guides. One of the things about um, journeying is it can be startling to us because we can do things in a journey that we can't in yes. our body, right? And so sometimes like nightmares are actually healing our brain, but they're scary, right? So we can have some visions or experiences in a, in a journey that are startling or scary, but it doesn't mean they're bad. Right. Maybe sending a message to you anyway. That's important. Right. Right. And, and every, every little aspect in the journey counts as far as the message. It does. And I'll tell you, you know, I started journeying spontaneously. I didn't know what it was. That's one of the weird things that was happening to me. I'd sit down and meditate and suddenly I was having this whole experience and I didn't know what it was. Same here. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what got me into it. Yeah. Right. And the channel was like, oh, you're journeying. So um, but that, so that, then he said, let's, I'm going to teach you how to official journey. Right. And so that first official journey that I did, I, there was some aspects of the journey that I didn't understand. And for two years I would journey and I'd say, I don't understand what is this in my journey? And I wouldn't, not only would I not get an answer, but it was as though I wasn't even asking the question. And I finally just went, okay, I'm not, it doesn't matter this little aspect so it was two years later that I um, went in and started my training. And in the first week of training, I found out what that was, what it was for, what it was all about. And I said to my spirit guides, why didn't you answer my question two years ago? And they said, because you hadn't decided to go into training yet. And you didn't have the frame of reference to understand our answer. Mm -hmm. And so that's when, for me, the journeying becomes so um, grounded because that was really predicting two years ahead. Right. And I had to make that free will choice to go into training to get my answer. And that's why now if I don't understand something in a journey, I don't worry about it because I know that 
down the line, it will show itself to me what it means and what it's for. And so you, you relax around it a little bit. Yeah. And I'm, I'm learning that, like I journeyed to the upper world and I saw ISIS and she, you know, I, I go to the pyramids or, you know, usually go to Egypt or another, you know, the serious star system. <laughs> That's my, it's wild. But anyway, she put like a snake around my neck. I'm like, what does the snake mean? And so it's like, I, you're right. It's like you, you, I guess eventually over time I'll learn that but for now it's like okay that's where i'm at as far as that yeah you're building a relationship with those spirit guides with those power animals with and with just the act of journeying and what happens in all relationships they evolve and they get stronger that's right that's so. right yeah have you found over time your accuracy of knowing people's past lives have you found that the more journeys that you have done you the more accurate you've become like like how long did it take you or or what explain kind of you know like if someone's asking well can you can you tell me what happened yeah people ask you stuff like can you tell me what happened in 1983 I mean are you able to do stuff like that because to me it seems like you're not able to see all that stuff. All what I've, what I've learned is you're not always able to see, you don't have permission to see those things. And permission is the right answer. Yeah. Um, so no, I haven't found that I'm more accurate. I've been accurate all along. What I found is I trust. Trust. Okay. I trust that what I'm seeing and knowing is what I'm supposed to see and know, and it's accurate in some way. So, um, particularly in working with other people um, and, and behalf of other people. I think that, you know, for me, we have free will choice and we have to come to some of those choices through our own works, right? So it's not for me to take somebody's free will choice away from them. And I think that the spirit guides know better than I do. And so they'll, what I ask for them is to give me information that is important and relevant for me to help be helpful with. But if somebody asks me a specific question and I don't get an answer, it's because I'm not supposed to get the answer. They're not supposed to get their answer this way. They okay. may need to decide to take that training or to make a shift in their lives for that answer to come. And it's, and they have to make that free will choice for that answer to come into their lives. Yeah. So it's, um, so I trust more what I get and I'm able to I think give my clients more ease and knowing that if they're not getting an answer, there's a reason and it's important. And they can trust that, that try a different question. I always say, try a different question because usually when you ask the right question, the answer comes just like that. Right. And it may be like you're saying, maybe in a couple of years, they'll get an answer. If you journey again, maybe they're, they're they have a chakra that's closed down or um, maybe they're not ready for the answer because maybe the answer is going to mean that they have to end a relationship that they're not ready to end mm -hmm. or switch a job, but they're not really ready to do that yet. And when they're ready, that's why the other thing I tell people is ready yourself for what you want. Right. That's right. And so if you're not getting the answer, then again, sometimes the question should be, what should I know right now? Yeah. Yeah. What should I know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I, I can see how that would probably happen. And, and I'm, I'm expecting that when I start to do my journeys, like my husband told me last night, he's like, I want you to journey for me and 
find this answer out. And I ended up asking a different question than what he had asked me to. <laughs> so then I come back, he's like, just, and he's like, I didn't want you to ask that question. I wanted you to ask this question. He's like, just so you know, when you start seeing clients, always do the question that they're asking. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> well, you have to address the question they're asking, but it doesn't mean that they'll get the answer or you'll get the answer. Because again, if we're trusting this compassionate guide, to see a bigger picture than we see, that guide may know that there is a reason not to give them the answer right now. Right. They may not be able to, um, in, you know, understand or the answer. They may not be able to incorporate it into their life right now. They may need to ready themselves for the answer. And so that's the trust piece that I've gotten. Over time. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Because I've, I had a client yesterday who's like, you know, a year and a half ago, you told me something. I was like, uh-oh, what did I tell you? <laughs> you know? And she, cause I don't, you know, that I let go of this stuff when I'm done with the yeah. journey. And she told me, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And she's like, you were right, you know, mm -hmm. but um, it really, but it took her nine months to understand that piece. Right. right. Um, we, we want that easy button. <laughs> I know. But, microwave but it doesn't always get us out of the work we're supposed to do. That's right. That microwave mentality, like that's, that's Americans. That's what, what yeah. we want the fast way. And it just, that's just not the way it goes with yeah. anything. So have you found, you know, when I'm talking about the upper and the lower world, do you agree with the whole concept as, you know, with to ask your spirit guides to find out which dimension you're in? I mean, do you find that there's a specific dimension that correlates with the different worlds, like 4D, 5D? No, I don't find that at all. And in fact, I think I find that different shamans have different experiences with that. That's again, back to like, I, I don't like the dogma. Um, and in fact, two of my teachers are all, every time I ask a question, go journey on that. What does your spirit guide tell you? And they would say, we're going to teach you a a very specific way from this specific tribe to do this specific thing so that you have a base, but ultimately you and your spirit guide have to figure out the best way for you to do this, like soul retrieval or whatever it is. So that's why I loved my training because there wasn't this dogma in it. And I, I find in shamanism, there's a lot of dogma actually, yeah. where, you know, one shaman is, is it's worked for them or one culture is something has worked for them. And they think this is the only way. And right. I, I do believe it is one way, but I don't believe it's the only way. And I think as a shamanic practitioner, you have to bring yourself into it. Um, and you have to build that relationship with your, the guides, your compassionate guides you're working with and figure out the best way for you to do a soul retrieval or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Right. Right. And it's, and you just learn, you, I'm sure you learn things as you go and it's, it's um, yeah, I, I can see that. What, tell me a little bit about your program, the trans, your rewild renew program. So do you do um, say like you, you teach students, it sounds like you teach shamanic practitioner students, and then you also do shamanic journeys too for people and you, incorporate like different lifestyle changes. Just explain that a little bit more. Okay. So this comes back to my own healing. So when I was healing my physical self, I found medical medium, I actually found Anthony William medical medium before he wrote his books. Um, and so I worked 
with him with my health for a couple of years. And because I found that the soul and the body were intrinsically connected, because it's when I cleaned out my body that these um, psychic or whatever skills you want to call them opened up wide, it, I just knew there was a connection between the two. And the deeper I cleaned out my body, the more these things opened. So I then went to training with this background understanding of physical healing. And actually in a lot of Anthony's books, he connects the dots between the soul and the physical mm -hmm. and why the healing of the body affects the healing of the soul and vice versa. There's a little bit of a chicken and egg that goes on sometimes. Right. So I work with another shamanic practitioner who's actually in the, the UK and um, we wrote this program together. So it's really a whole healing, right? Mm -hmm. It's for people who uh, have come to physical healing likely because of chronic illness and gone through the same journey that she and I both have. And then that opened up this other part of them and they're going, oh, shit, what do I do with, you know? <laughs> I suddenly realize I have this soul and these empathic skills, what do I do about it? And so um, the program doesn't really take you through how to heal physically, but it is about, it does connect the dots between the two. So it's a nine month program. It's three trimesters. It's a little bit like rebirthing yourself. And so it's, it's um, there are shamanic practices in the program, but they're not obvious. Um, a lot of people are very afraid of the idea of shamanism. Yeah. If you Google it, the answers you get are very strange and very inaccurate. Yeah, I've seen that stigma. There's a stigma with, yeah. Right. And, and a lot of people believe that it's a religious practice or will take them away from their spiritual beliefs when actually it will bring you closer to whatever it is that you is true for you. I feel <laughs> it does. It does. It's brought me closer to God. I believe in God. Exactly. So, yeah. So these, and I've actually found that uh, some of the information that I've found in medical medium books matched what I was learning in my shamanic training because being sh uh, shamanic practices are all about being human, right? It's right. not actually weird. It's how we're built. So anyway, this program is really about reconnecting with who you really are. It's about in a really gentle and graceful way, reconnecting with your soul, figuring mm -hmm. out who you are and um, you know, that's kind of the first trimester of it. The second trimester, we go into people figuring out what their beliefs are and, you know, their trust and their faith in the world and sort of strengthening those. And then the third trimester is about you being out in the world more. So that's about boundaries and things like that. So it's this nine month long program that, um, but we include the body in there because again, because they're so intrinsically connected, like our gut, our spirit, which is our, our will, it's our get up and go, right? Right. Is, is really connected to our gut. So if you have um, a lack of get up and go, do you have gut issues, right? And if you drink some celery juice and, and clean up your diet and your gut issues go away, does that heal your spirit? Um, and so there's, there really is such a chicken and egg between our body and our soul that I think the whole, you really have to look at the whole picture to have a complete understanding. Yeah. 
So we're not telling people how to heal their guts in the <laughs> program, but we are providing the space for that where they can figure that out for themselves. What is it that I need? Um, is it soul retrieval or is, is it gut work or is it both, right? Yeah. Um, and so we do teach people to do shamanic journeying um, in the program. Um, and, um, but it's not a strictly shamanic program. If you okay. Okay. Right. Or like a cert certificate, like what I'm doing. No, it's not teaching them in a way it's teaching them to be their own shamans. <laughs> yeah. But not to be a shamanic practitioner. Okay. Okay. But it, it's beautiful. All the other things that you teach along with it. And I could t tell you, there's a number of people that would really benefit from that, that I know of that believe in those concepts. And yeah. it would be very therapeutic, you know, for cancer patients or absolutely vaccine, vaccine injured patients, whatever. Absolutely. That's right. I mean, honestly, it would work for anybody. I think it's just that exactly. when you've been through something is when you seek that out. Right. Right. When you've been through, yeah. Or any, yeah, anything, uh, trauma. Um, right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and you have a website that you can, um, is it, because I know you're on Instagram at Eileen Crispell, but yeah. do you also have a Rewild Renew website too that um, I'll the link in the description below? Yeah, so I have a website, which is also my name, Eileen Crispell, and I actually have to update it with a link, but um, <laughs> the, uh, we do have a Rewild Renew on Instagram. Okay. And, um, but Amy Jones is my business partner in that. She's also on Instagram. Yeah. Um, if you go to my Instagram page or her Instagram page, the link on our bios takes you to information on the program. Yeah. And, and that's what I, how I got to yeah. reading about your program is, is the link on the bios. Very thorough, very, um, very good explanation of the program. So, yeah. well, well, great. Um, let me see if there's any other questions. And so how many shamanic journeys do you do a day? Is there like a typical time that you? No, it's interesting though. Um, like when I was in my training, um, you know, we would do 10 a day and initiations and, you know, for two weeks straight versus like at home. Well, I do journeying daily because I have clients daily, okay. but, but that journeying isn't on behalf of somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and for myself, I tend to, it's more like when I'm in training or when I'm not doing work for other people, I will dive into something for myself. But uh, I've been journeying almost every day for years now <laughs> in, in some form or another. Yeah. And I have to say that when, when you are that practiced at it, you almost don't need to journey as much because that's when this ordinary reality and non-ordinary reality start to integrate. Right. And so um, getting in touch with this, your guides, with the, your intuition, with your empathic skills becomes more integrated in your life. And you don't have to take such an effort to, to go and find those answers. It's actually really a great thing. It comes to you. Like it just, it, you have to get into it. I mean, do you find that answers will come to you without getting into like a hypnotic state, like a meditative state? Absolutely. And you, and that trust grows in it, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you probably realize that you've been having that your whole life. You just yeah. didn't trust it. You thought it was some random thought. 
Exactly. We're and we're taught that. We're taught like, oh, stop Absolutely. <laughs> magical thinking or no one's talking to you and you're you're crazy. And even before that, I mean, like uh, with little kids, I saw a fairy today. Oh, that's just your imagination. Exactly. No, it's actually probably the child saw a fairy, you know. So be free seven years old. Our brains are in the theta wave state most of the time, which is the dream state. So they live in a dream. Mm-hmm. And so they're experiencing the world literally differently than adults are. And so they're seeing and experiencing things that may not be real to the adult, but it doesn't mean they're not real to them. So the three-year-old says, I say, I saw a fairy. And the adult says, that's just your imagination because they want them to grow up. And suddenly they've taught that child to not to trust their own intuition. It's not um, intentional. Yeah. Right? adults are not intentionally trying <laughs> to no, they're not accept the kids they're not. To, you know intuition but there it is so long before we can even remember we've been told not to trust our intuition that's right yeah and it's it's kind of like you have to undo all that when you're finally when you discover like when i discovered that i had the ability to tap into the upper and lower worlds and, and do what i'm doing it's like I all of a sudden like man I have to undo all that what I was That's taught right. in my childhood That's and right. <laughs> it was it's been it's been quite a process because you're right it's like you start off and you're just like I don't know if I trust this and so this is my imagination and then so as you, I'm glad that it does get better over time that that you have given me that reassurance so that's Absolutely. You know, it's like, so I know you're a plant-based eater and I'm a plant-based eater. You know, people say, oh, um, you know, isn't that harmful? (laughs) Like I'm eating fruits and vegetables. You eat fruits and vegetables every day, (laughs) right? Right. It's like, take the fear out of it. I'm not actually doing anything weird. Yeah. (laughs) And there's such a stigma and a lot of some people, you know, and it's like, you will, if you want to eat regular keto when air carnivore, that's you, but this, but I would like to be, I'm a vegetarian, keto vegetarian, but that's where I stand. And that's where I feel good at. Don't, don't judge me. This is just where I'm at. This is my, not only don't judge me. It's actually not that weird. <laughs> not that weird. It's not that weird. Vegetables are good for you. What, what's wrong with that? I feel the health oh. I felt in my whole life right now. So, <laughs> uh, you know, like both my parents were dairy farm. I'm excuse me. Both my grandparents grew up and were dairy farmers. And so to get over the milk sti- stigma was a big thing for me. Like, what do you mean milk's not good for you? Um, you know, and yeah. so I did my own research and I found out that, you know, we think humans have been drinking milk forever. Well, we've been drinking milk for 7,000 years. Yeah we've been around for a couple hundred of thousands of years. So clearly we don't need milk. So if you want to drink milk, that's fine. But clearly if we survived hundreds of thousand years without dairy, <laughs> right? Some, yeah. we don't actually need it. And that's what clicked for me. Oh, no wonder we all think it because we've been doing it for 7,000 years. Right. But when you look at the big picture, but we don't need it. Yeah. So, you know, those, that's where the intellectual and the analytical and the soul, when you, when you can all align that, that's when you get that full body. Yes. Yes. And that's when giving up the dairy for me made sense and I felt better and it all aligned (laughs) instead of trying to, you know, say, oh, but my soul, it doesn't feel right. Or 
you know, but science is telling me one thing. Now there's an alignment between my analytical and my more soulful self. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been completely off meat for a few months now. I've gone on and off. I did keto vegetarian last year for a few months and I went back to me. And then this last time my husband and I decided that's it. We're, we're done. Um, we've heard some things and just spiritually, we felt like it was better for us. And I wanted to see if it would help to kind of raise my vibration, how it would make me feel. And it's been, I've been very happy with it. I haven't had any issues and, you know, I know I have a keto blog and like I said, I'm not opposed to people that want to eat meat, but I am <laughs> an advocate for people that are vegetarians, keto vegetarians or vegans, or, you know, even if you're not a keto vegetarian or vegan and, and you're just a regular vegetarian, I'm a or vegan, whatever. I'm a big advocate on that now because yeah. based on how I'm feeling and, and I don't judge people on the other side. It, this is America and we can, you know, do what makes us feel good. And what I think when we take the fear out of it, um, it's easier. And that's what shamanism has done for me. It's taken the fear out of my life. Right. Right. All of these things I have experiencing were real, they're human, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and the, doing the journeying and practicing that stuff has dropped the fear in my life. So I could really have that alignment. Yeah. And yeah. It's not about a judgment of what you choose. It's just that, are you in alignment with your choices? And if you want to be in a soulful alignment with your choices, this is a, a really good way to do that. That's right. Yeah. And, and I'm, it's funny, you mentioned the fear too. I, I was told because I've suffered with fear and I was told that part of, um, basically by a shamanic journeyer that, um, a shamanic practitioner, rather, she told me that, you know, that was my guide to being, or my key to get ready to releasing the fear would be to go ahead and take up as a, become a shamanic practitioner. And, and so far it has helped tremendously. I feel like my fear has really gone down, even despite everything that's going on in our country right now, our world, <laughs> right? <laughs> all the, the mandates, everything, you know, but, but still I've, I'm still managing, managing to be better. So, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Well, when we, Amy and I wrote um, some of our first beta courses um, a couple of years ago now, uh, we unbeknownst to us scheduled our first course to launch when this whole thing started. And um, so people were a little afraid to jump into a course when the world feels like it's falling apart. But those who did, we actually had 50 people in our first course. And the most common response we got was it was an antidote to what was going on in the world. It was what kept them safe while we were heading into this new fearful place. And I think that was the perfect um, explanation of what this work does for you. When you work with your soul, you lose your fear. You find your happiness. It's not that bad things won't happen. It's that you manage them and handle them in a much different way. That's right. Yeah. There's something about going into non-ordinary reality and meeting with the spirit guides. And of course I, I pray to, I'm, like I said, I believe in God, but, but definitely going to see the spirit, spirit guides and getting information and being able to do those different things that just completely allays your fears. And I, I can agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So this has been great. And um, what I'll do is I'll put your link 
in the description, like I mentioned earlier, so people can find you. Awesome. And <laughs> so this has been so inspiring and um, I look forward to connecting with you again in, in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you having me come on. I always love to talk about this stuff. So yeah, me too. We could go on for right. a long time. <laughs> I could keep asking questions, but yeah, I know we only have an hour so. But anyways, we'll have a good rest of your day and we'll connect soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been the Holistic Keto Goddess podcast with Jessica Ankaya. Follow the Holistic Keto Goddess on social media like Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have any questions about today's show or how you can live a healthier life, visit holisticketogoddess.com and go more in-depth with blogs and health.